Hi, I'm Mike Peterson, and you're listening to a podcast where nostalgia comes alive. It's Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show. Roll it! Welcome to Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, the podcast where nostalgia comes alive. Since July of 2021, Jake and his friends have interviewed professionals in the worlds of acting, directing, writing, puppeteering, and many more. Who will they be chatting with in this week's interview? Find out in this Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, where nostalgia comes alive. Thank you for joining. Happy to be here with us. As always, I'm your host, Jake Dunbar. With today's our co-host, Chris Bixby and Matt Bingle. How you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. Hello, everybody. How you doing, Jakey? I'm doing great, Matt. Thank you for asking. What do we have for today? Today's guest is a puppeteer, music composer for our Canadian viewers. He created the YTV block, The Fuzz Paws, which eventually became its own original show. He also puppeteered on the shows Nanalan and Whoopi's Little Bird, which we'll get into, as well as puppeteering Edward R. Carney, among others, on Mr. Meaty. But he's most famous for puppeteering Ooh on the Playhouse Disney block, Ooh and Ah, which premiered in 2005. Please welcome Marty Steldick. Marty, welcome. Happy to have you here. Thank you very much. It's uh, that was that was really interesting to hear that rundown. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'll, I'll oh, take no, it as a it's, compliment. Oh no, it's it's good. You know, like uh, yeah, like sometimes you sort of you you forget some stuff and then you kinda, right yeah you know and uh yeah that was really cool and like uh you know thank you tough that you uh like went to the trouble <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah wait, wait what do you want to know what's going on uh well to kick this off since uh, i kind of introduced you a little bit in your own words could you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what you do a little bit about myself okay um well i uh i i became a puppeteer um, sort of accidentally, uh, originally, I guess I was a, an actor and then I was sort of working towards a, a career in filmmaking. And, uh, and then I kind of stumbled into puppetry and, uh, but along with all that, my, the first, my first love really has been, has always been music. And so I, I'm a, a musician, a composer, and I, uh, and so that all, all those things are kind of constantly happening at the same time. Awesome. Yeah. So, so what was your background like, and how did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Toronto, and uh, yeah, I was. Um, let's see. Well, I uh, like I I was in a choir when I was uh, when I was seven, so I was uh, that's was sort of my introduction to the arts, I guess. And I was always kind of interested in um, in performing, and uh, so I, and so I really enjoyed that. And then I ended up going into some different schools with special programs. But in high school, I went to an arts high school, and I was a theater major. And so that was kind of my introduction to something other than just singing, and uh, and being uh, surrounded by like minded kids who are um dancers or visual artists or musicians or actors and uh and our school actually had it was cool it had a uh like a gifted athletes program as well so there were also mm. people who were like you know mm. um swimmers and gymnasts and everything going to the olympics but studying at high school and uh 
and then so then afterwards I, I uh, after high school I kind of popped around I think I went to like seven different universities and I, I never really finished a program but uh but when it came down to it the thing that I was always best at that I it was just performing like regardless of what what it was and so um when puppetry um became uh a job that I actually could make a living at, I kind of, you know, I dug in and I think that's a big part of, of being an artist is just sort of, uh, you know, seeing where the opportunity is and and make sure that you get the, you know, you, you take advantage of it. You can't, uh, you can't take, um, I think it's, it's, uh, if you get too rigid, it's, it's a dangerous thing. Right. Hmm. Exactly. So uh, I'm kind of curious, were there any puppetry projects you've enjoyed watching the most growing up? I I really, I mean, I like, uh, I like live stuff a lot. Um, I like, I like seeing sort of experimental things. I mean, honestly, uh, my favorite thing is, uh, I, I mean, I'm lucky enough to have been doing this for a little while. And so uh, I, I know a lot of the people who I get jobs with. And my favorite puppetry to watch is just when I watch somebody whose work I really respect and I watch their their mastery, you know, like I'm always uh, I'm always impressed with um, if I'm working with Gord Robertson, like he's he's just so good. And oh, Frank yeah. Meshulite mm -hmm. and Jason Hopley or Jamie Shannon, like they're they all have very different styles. And um, and it's like, yeah, I just I really enjoy watching them. And uh, Todd Goldersome, like you know, they they're all so radically different, not like in their in their approaches to uh, to performance, and uh, whether that's the like uh, like the craft of puppetry or their improv or like delivery and character work, it's uh, I get a lot out of watching other people. Absolutely. So, mm -hmm. as we mentioned in your uh, introduction, your puppetry career kind of began. Uh creating YTV's The Fuzz Paws. What kind of went into creating that? <laughs> okay, so like this is, this is sort of an interesting story because I had no experience with puppetry at all. And, um, and I was, but I had a couple of friends from high school who were doing all the puppets at YTV. They were the Grogs. That's Jason Hopley and Jamie Shannon. And, uh, and so I thought, and I was going to film school at the time. So I thought, I'm going to come up with a... Uh, a kids TV show and I'm going to get Jamie and Jason to design and they'll do the puppets. And then for sure, I'll get a meeting with YTV and I'll like, you know, and then they'll make my show and I'll be rich and famous. And, uh, and so uh, I did all that stuff and I went into YTV and I showed, I had the proposal and, uh, and they said like, well, that's, it's a great proposal, Marty. And I was like, great. So like, are we going to, are we going to like do this show? And they're like, Oh no, no, we are not going to do your show. <laughs> but like, but it's a great proposal. Like you should, you'd do well here. I think that you, you, you'd be good if you worked here. And uh, I said, well, you know, like I could, I, I'd be happy to work here, but I don't, I don't know what you have in mind. And, uh, and so I, we ended up talking it out. And then what I ended up doing was coming in as I was a, officially, I was a writer working with the Grogs. So I was going to be a writer for the puppet guys. Cause they were super busy. And um, at the time that this was happening, uh, they were negotiating their new contracts and things did not go well. And so they were kind of let go, but I was left there. 
And so they made me the head of the department. <laughs> and oh, I, had wow. never, I had never puppeteered a day in my life. And, um, and so I just started to kind of scramble. Like I, I had learned years before that there's no point in ever sort of saying, hey, I, I can't do this, you know, just sort of wait for them to tell you that. <laughs> just like, you know, keep going and keep doing your best and, and, and learning and uh, see what happens. And so now everything that we did back then was live. And, uh, and so as a result of that, there were very few of my bosses who actually watched what I did because they would sort of miss it. You know, they would hear about things, but they probably wouldn't watch it. So I suspect that we just had very bad puppets for a little while. And then um, and then I, I got better at it. And the fuzz paws were just like, we needed a new family of, of characters because the grogs were so successful. But it was, uh, and that's kind of, that was the difficult part of the job is that the grogs were really the most popular characters on the station. And uh, like there were, cause there were all these live kind of uh, like VJs sort of things. And um, we called them PJs and, uh, but they, uh, but the puppets were hugely popular. So I was coming in with no experience and I had to replace the most popular characters, the most po popular personalities on the station. So that was, that was, uh, that was a hard, a hard thing to uh, try to accomplish. And uh, yeah, but it was my first job and, uh, and it gave me a real appreciation for, uh, for puppetry and kind of started me on my way. So that was nice. great. Yeah. Really nice. Very well. Very well. So after the block ended, the Fuzzpaws got their own TV series. How did, how did the series come about? There was a, there was um, an executive producer at YTV who really believed in me. And, um, and he told me like, cause we were talking and, uh, he said, Marty, like you should, you guys should do, you should do a series. And, uh, I'm going to give you, like, he gave me a budget. It wasn't very much, but it was a budget. And he said, like, just do something and then show it to me and we'll see how things go. And, uh, and so we, so we did, we, uh, we made a really cool show and it was kind of, it was skewing a little bit older. But uh, the but the characters like uh, it seemed to be like there was a couple of characters who really were kind of preschoolish characters, and then the other ones they were they were kind of they were pretty edgy, and so uh, we thought that it was it was really a show for kind of tweens, mm -hmm. and um, and so we did it. I was super happy with it, and we tested it, and it did really well, and then YTV was sold to i guess to chorus entertainment and there was a huge change of the guard and so all of a sudden all of those producers that were there supporting me weren't there anymore and one thing that i find is when new producers come on board they want it to feel like something they would make so they want to feel like they don't want to just say okay like whatever you were doing with that guy like we'll we'll move it forward so they want to put their own fingerprint on it and so then they decided that the show would be a preschool show. And so we, uh, it, it, so which, which really was a radical change from what the original vision was. So, um, and so, but that's, that's how it ended up being like what it was. And it was a good lesson for me, you know, like you can't really, it's, it's difficult. Like, especially like I had been working there for five years developing characters 
And then kind of overnight, they're saying, okay, but we want to make a show, but the characters have to be different. And so that was a bitter pill to swallow. But, uh, you know, that's kind of, that's what happens when you, when you, you can't just make a show by yourself, right? You got to have all those other people um, giving their input. Exactly. Yeah. So that's uh, that's how that show uh, came about. Oh, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't say because uh, initially, I actually wasn't so keen on it. I was I was saying, you know what? I don't really want to do a preschool show, and they kind of, but I you know I, I've been working there for a long time, and they kind of they convinced me. It's like Marty, you, I think that you're you'd be missing out. It would be a mistake, and so I said, okay, well I'll do it only if I can hire all my friends <laughs> and so <laughs> and so that and i surrounded myself with my friends basically and um from the uh like the the producer the directors the the, the composers um writers it was uh it was really great and it felt really good to because some of those people had never been uh given that opportunity before you know, maybe like they've been working one job and always aspired to this other job. And I was able to say like, yeah, well, you're going to, you're going to do it with me. So let's like see what happens. And so that's my, I think that that's my favorite memory, to be honest, of the show is being able to um, do something with all these people who I love. And that's what that, I, because, uh, you know, more recently I, I do, I do a lot of work on larger American TV shows and it's cool like people love to hear stories about it but um but the reality is i'd rather work on a little preschool show with an eight person crew than on star trek where there's like 500 people you know i, I couldn't even begin to know like not even everybody in our department you know like it's uh i love it when you work a day and like you want to hang out with them after work and it's like you know you're all you're all pals and that's what I like best. Right. Mm -hmm. Nice. And another um, Nick Jr. show you worked on was a Whoopi's Little Bird. What was that like? Whoopi's Little Bird was cool. It was because um, we shot it in New York, and uh, and I thought Whoopi was a sweetheart. She was. I she, I thought she was really nice and uh, and fun, and uh, I mean, and I I guess I'd never worked that closely with like a superstar before. And mm -hmm. um, and so I wasn't sure exactly what to expect. And initially we came in and they're like, yeah, don't 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 look her in the eye or, you know, they were giving us the kind of but, but it was very clear, you know, two minutes into working with her. That's not how she operates. And um, and it was a big production for what I had experienced up until then. Um, I think the American puppeteers weren't super happy that they had brought a bunch of Canadians over, to be honest. <laughs> um, hmm. I came over, I, I mean, I, I, was, I wasn't gonna say no to anything that, uh, that uh, Jamie and Jason asked me to, to, to work on with them. But the thing that, I, that made me really wanna do it is uh, the song, the theme song and the music in that show was uh written by and performed by dr john and he's kind of one of my heroes and so i uh and in talking to the producer i remember uh i was saying so uh like if i work on this like what, what will, will you introduce me to dr john They're like, oh yeah sure marty and uh so i was real excited about that happening 
unfortunately it never did happen but they had some great stories and um i remember i did a, a character it was sort of like a it was a secondary character really but he shows up a bunch of times and it was a duck mm. but he was wearing this hat like like a kind of a rastafarian sort of hat and uh, uh, I mean, this was a while ago and like ob for obvious reasons, like it, it wouldn't happen now, but uh, I was doing an accent with the, with the puppet and, uh, and Whoopi loved it. And uh, so we actually gifted her that puppet at the end of the, of the, the shoot. Oh, oh nice. Her favorite. And we just named him Rasta Duck. Rasta Duck. Rasta Duck. It's cool. Oh, that's great. So, uh, so another one of your most uh, well-known puppeteering roles was, of course, uh, puppeteering Ooh on Ooh and Ah. How did you kind of uh, get that role? How did I get that role? That was another like. Okay, so there was a point in my career where I decided, you know what, I'm not going to puppeteer anymore. I'm going to. Um, I'm going to be an architect. And I was already, you know, like I was in my 30s, but I was good. I went back to school and I was accepted into this uh, this master's program out in the East Coast. And uh, and so I went out there and. Uh, and then and and so I stopped puppeteering and then I ended up actually not staying in the program, but then I was real. I, I'd gotten a, a grant to write a, an album. And so I was all into music and I came back to Toronto and I was, you know what, I'm going to be Full, like just a musician i'm gonna do other things but i'm i'm gonna you know even if i'm broke for a while that's fine and then my dog needed surgery <laughs> my dog needed an operation like as soon as possible and it was gonna be like three grand or something and so like like how am i gonna three grand for a musician is is not that easy to come up with and so i called all my old friends in puppetry and i i said like is there anything going on and uh, originally, it was uh, it, Todd Doldersome was going to be ooh, but hmm. things didn't work out for some reason. I, I can't remember exactly what it was. He was on another TV show, I think. And so they were suddenly in the lurch. And he's like, actually, yeah, like we, if you can do it, we need a puppeteer to come in like this weekend. <laughs> And so I was like, great, it's like a weekend shoot. And, um, you know, it's just a few days and it'll help me with the, uh, um, my, um, my vet bill. And so we did that. And that was the, um, it was kind of like a pilot. Like what had happened was there was, I think, eight different uh, companies from all over the world and they were pitching ideas for the interstitials. And so this was the pitch. It wasn't the show yet. And I just thought it was gonna be a weekend of work. And then I'd go back to being uh, a, a musician. And then not only was it the weekend, but they, uh, they said like, we got the job, like it's gonna be us. And so we ended up shooting that for eight years or so. And it was, um, it was such a great experience because they uh, the, the neat thing about that show was it was for the whole world. And so, right. uh, and so it was, uh, our voices were dubbed in, uh, into all sorts of different languages and we would do, you know, the Christmas stuff for the States and Canada, but Spain's Christmas traditions are very different than North American Christmas traditions. So we do their traditions. It was like something, but you leave like boots at the end of your bed or something. It was really, you know, like all these what? different things. Yeah, it's, it was, it was odd. And, um, well, no, you know, it was different. I hadn't uh, heard of it before. 
and we did stuff. I remember for um, the, and there were these executives that, that came in from all the different areas. We had like one for all the UK uh, stuff and uh, for uh, Latin America. Um, there's a woman from Singapore for uh, for Asia and uh, or for East Asia and. Uh, yeah, it was just like, it was a really, that was a really neat thing to do. And we were song, some Disney playlists. I always wanted, I know that uh, Jason, at one point, both of us were talking to the Disney executive, this guy who uh, he's from LA and he was, he was, uh, cause we shot it here for the most part. We only went there and shot like a few days worth. And um, we said, so, so you guys are using these videos like all over. And he's like, oh yeah, we use them everywhere. <laughs> he's like, so if we went to Disneyland, would you like hook us up? And he's like, oh yeah, we could hook you up. <laughs> and um, and so I really wanted to do that, but I didn't I didn't end up making it down to Disneyland. But Jason uh -huh. did. And he said that uh they were true to their word. They uh they really did. They uh they hooked him up and uh and uh, he had a great time. Oh, definitely. And uh, yeah, what's uh, and so that's uh, what uh, Ooh and Ah was like. Uh, definitely, uh, it's wonderful. <laughs> awesome. So um, I'm kind of so I'm kind of curious if you, of course, if you remember any of them. But do you have any favorite Ooh and Ah segments? Favorite Ooh and Ah segments. Um, I liked it when uh when we dressed up. And uh, so when the the puppets were in costumes was uh, was was always fun. One of my favorite memories with Ooh and Ah actually was we had a production manager named Sharon Summerling, and it was Sharon's birthday, and uh, and so when she wasn't paying attention, we did um, we did uh, we lip synced a music video complete with like all sorts of costume changes and set changes. And it was ooh and ah, and we did it to my Sharona for Sharon. And, oh. uh, and it's awesome. It's That's my amazing. favorite thing. There is also, and I, I don't have it. So, you know, don't even ask, but there is a blooper reel out there that is um, a little salty. And, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, J Jason, most of them are. <laughs> Jason enjoyed, you know, like, uh, and uh, yeah, because they, the, the people would just like keep all that stuff, but somebody actually, like, tied everything together and uh, and and uh, put a reel together for everybody to enjoy, and it was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> one of my, one of my favorite uh, segments. Gosh, mm -hmm. um, it's like where basically, uh, Ah was like was was playing with his one of his favorite like toys or something and U was like trying was was trying to sleep and then U was like um uh ah you're being too loud and then and then and then and then trying to and then I was trying to keep being quabby still being loud and then you're still too loud or something I, like that. yeah I, I I remember that one of one of one yeah. of my personal favorites was the um oh god monster size that was Oh that yeah, was a fun one to watch. Yeah, I remember yeah, that was, one. That was one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. 
Um, it's hard to, I mean, that was a long time ago, really. And uh, uh -huh. so it's kind of, it's hard to, I guess, like, I mean, that's the whole point of, of your podcast. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to remember specific ones. But it mm -hmm. was like, it was one of those situations, like I was talking about, like, um, the 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 guy who was doing all the lighting is became one of my closest friends i i ended up uh being his roommate for a while and jamie or jason rather is you know i've known that guy since uh since the 80s and um you know all these people who i was friends with and so and it, there weren't a lot of people on set and so it was just right. it, it was just really um it was very warm, like the the wardrobe people or the and the puppet wrangler. I'm still very close with. Like there's um, there's a lot of there's a lot of love on set. You know, I thought maybe I maybe that was my imagination. They might all hate me. I don't know, but uh, yeah. I, I think that we had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yes. I mean, we ran for yeah. eight years. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Yes. One one of my favorite uh, segments is the uh the monkey mail segment. Monkey oh mail. my gosh! Yeah. Uh, trying yeah. to remember. Yeah, yeah. That was that was like that was like the one where they check the mail and like a letter from like a certain show. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. Uh -huh. Like whether it was I remember Mickey Mouse Clubhouse or you know the Wiggles or Higley Town Heroes or any of those shows. Now I remember. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yes yes uh similarly do you have any favorite ooh and ah songs um i guess like uh i mean the the one that i always that goes through my head is the it was the monkey dance it was like yes but we did um we did a recording um of uh Randy Newman's like uh, you've got a friend in me yeah like, yes that's oh, right yeah. yes uh, I think that's probably my favorite and uh, nice. the um the company that we work for so uh, the Grogs joined forces with this uh, other producer and before he got involved in television he's he's a composer and he he wrote music and so there was always access to like lots of studio time for music and uh, composers and uh, producers and all that stuff and all that kind of stuff. Nice. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. And, um, and it's really cool that, you know, that uh, versions on the Disney music block party album. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, exactly. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, nice. So um, yeah. yeah. So so now um, no worries if you don't want to do it. No worries, it's fine. Like, even though Una's kind of happened for like for like a while ago. But um, uh, to those who are who are watching or listening, of the you know, who are fans of Una, is it fine if we can hear a bit of U? Sure. Like it, it, his voice wasn't that different than mine. He just sort of talked like this. Ah. Well, ah, uh, <laughs> you're being too loud. <laughs> Another that's memory that just popped into my mind that I remember, because there was also the Uena website, and I remember there oh, was a yeah. there was an Uena game, the uh, Coconutty Bowling game. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, Coconutty Bowling. 
I remember yeah. a little bit there. It seemed like for a while there, like I did, um, there's a station in uh, Canada called TVL and mm. um, it's like a, a provincially run station, kind of like how the BBC is like kind of national. Like this is right. just, mm -hmm. uh, the province. And um, so we did, I, I was, uh, I did some characters that were reoccurring uh, on a, a show there. And, uh, and there were all these apps and uh, web games and things that they would do. And, uh, and so it's, uh, it's an interesting process because there's rarely any puppetry that you need to do, but you have to go in and they give you just like a, a sheet of paper and it's got like, you know, maybe a hundred phrases and 50 words. And they're just like, just say them all. Like, and do them four different ways and like and you just there for hours going like canoe 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 oh my gosh yeah and then they put it all together and oh, uh, it's it's a weird experience <laughs> yeah i do yeah i do remember other puppeteers like especially uh ryan dylan Oh yeah. Now he currently does Elmo on Sesame Elmo Street. On Sesame yeah, you talked about okay. a similar kind of situation. Yes, where sure. like uh we're like Emily, Emily, Emily. Yeah, like, like where you'd have to record like where you'd have to say every, like someone's name like you know certain every way, different couple, ways. Couple different ways. Like in, and like I'm like Elmo like every name. Yeah. Well you can imagine if it's if it's Elmo, he's like probably doing that all the time. I'm oh, sure. Yeah. Now, with with AI, I wonder if it's like they can just kind of, you know, type it in and then because they've got his voice, right? You gotta wonder. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And you know, imagine mm -hmm. next day, you know, and, and any puppeteers really can happen. Like the next day, like like their voice can be talk, be like, not have a sore throat or anything because sore of throat, those recordings. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Didn't didn't Ryan say he had a sore throat after mm -hmm. that or? Mm -hmm. yeah I, oh, yeah, hello. Hello. what was that last thing you said i, I was asking these guys if uh if ryan had a, a sore throat after he recorded all those names. i think so yeah it's, yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's so many that, names yeah actually yeah, so many names and he recorded puppeteers oh yeah. oh yeah that's right uh, that's right okay. and and having to say it in such a high you know kind of falsetto voice well no yeah. well like kind of I don't, I don't i don't think it's a falsetto i don't think it's close it? to it but i don't Oh, his is? His is. Kevin's wasn't. Most of the puppeteers uh, I that oh, I know, okay. yeah. most of the puppeteers I know don't come from a theater background and, um, uh, or music. And so they, uh, they don't necessarily, because there's a lot of like warm-ups that like, if you're going to do something like that, it's a really good idea to, to do all that stuff. But myself, oh, yeah. and I just kind of like, I'm always too, I, I, I was going to say too lazy. I'm just not not disciplined enough really to to do it like i i know that it's good and i know i should do it but i was like i'll have the sore throat next week it'll be fine <laughs> uh, deal with it so moving on from ooh and ah uh, you also puppeteered the character edward r carney for the nickelodeon series mr meaty yeah what was doing that what you guys show? think of mr meaty how'd you like mr meaty very very interesting show interesting. i remember seeing it on i think it was a. Uh... Nick it too. was it was something <laughs> it was it was yeah. something it's on so many lists of like shows that ruined my childhood <laughs> right like, 
which I, you know, this is a like, I, it's a badge of honor for me. But um, it, it was, uh, I mean, I because yeah, I did, I did our Edward R. Carney. I did a lot of characters in that show. Everybody did pretty much, and um, uh, and I, yeah, it was great. It, it was great. It was before because I, because it was not a union show. Had it been a union show. I would only have been able to do maybe one character or two characters, but because it's this group of friends who've been working together forever, you'd literally come into work and somebody might say like, I think you should do that one and that one and maybe that one. And, you know, and you just kind of like, that's going to be your day, you know? And, um, uh, and on those lists, there was one, there was one episode that people talk about. Do you remember the, uh, the tapeworm episode? When there's a so. Parker eats a, a raw hamburger and gets a tapeworm and they discover that it's like grabbing food right out of his mouth before he can eat it. And um, oh, and boy. so they they end up fishing it out of him with like a fishing rod. And it's this horrendous like like moray eel looking thing with this round toothy. And uh, and I remember I was puppeteering the uh, the, the tapeworm and then this guy who was supposed to be like the crocodile hunter, this Australian guy comes and he takes it from them and he puts it back into his mouth. <laughs> uh -huh. and, uh, and, I, and I was puppeteering him as well. So uh, that, that was, that's one of my, uh, the things that I really enjoyed was uh, just being able to be uh, part of something that makes so many lists of most horrendous moment of my childhood. You know, and uh, but Edward Carney is one of my char favorite characters, I think, that I've ever performed in a way like I uh, there's something that's really uh, amazing uh, in. Uh, you have a character like that who's clearly like he's 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 narcissist, but he's also like he's a psychopath. <laughs> And, yeah. uh, <laughs> but he's just like, he has zero regrets in his life. Like everything he does is the right thing in his mind. He's having a good time all the time. He doesn't worry about anybody else or anything else. And it's like, it's so much fun to do those kinds of characters and make him a bad guy. And then it's like, just even better. And he was in a wheelchair and that was like, um, it was a whole rig and it, it was not comfortable. And so I would be like, the wheelchair was, um was up on i was sitting on a, on an apple box that had wheels on it so i'm sitting on that and then there is uh a rod that came up and attached to the wheelchair then and there was a hole in it so i could put my hand in and he'd be sitting there and then i had uh i had todd dolderson <laughs> was like he was wheeling me around and it was uh it was yeah it was just super fun <laughs> And uh, between between that guy's sort of uh, like anger and violence issues, and uh, and just the the weird way in which he was performed, and is also is just like his crazy design, like that thing was just like he was horrendous, you know, and he just looked right. even worse in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, before I'm gonna ask the last question, I have to I have to. Go back to Unar just for a quick second because that, that just popped in my mind. But yeah. but one of my but definitely one of my favorite Unar songs is definitely the theme. Oh yeah, 
Knock the thing man, the closing song too, where it's like ooh, 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 ah, ah, bye bye or something like bye that. Bye. Yep. Yeah, and yep. the theme's like he's I, he's you, he's red, he's blue, and we're here to play with yes. you. Yeah. yeah. Oh right, right, right. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think that was before they became the official hosts. Mm-hmm. I think because it started yeah. out as like a little like interstitial thing and then they became the yeah. official hosts and they became the official hosts a couple years later yeah and all the music if i'm not mistaken was written by this guy named douglas john who uh just this like incredibly talented guy and uh he actually was like he was a pop singer in the 80s and uh oh wow and he uh like i don't know if any of it made it to the states but uh just such a lovely guy and just crazy talented and uh yeah and he worked for uh for that producer that I was telling you about and uh wrote a lot of really beautiful music for that guy nice yeah mm. nice <laughs> nice and um oh gosh i know we did a touch base about about those well one of them where basically where we were not described the Larry was comes next i remember where they um it's been a wee all what shows on that. Oh, yeah. Like that. oh yeah, that was one of my favorites too. Yeah. Yeah. The wheel is neat. Yes. Yeah, they had to get really creative because we shot so many of them and we would shoot them in like little right. blocks. So it would be uh mm-hmm. it wasn't like we would shoot a year's worth in a month. We would shoot right every couple of months, we would shoot for a week or so. And, and uh which is the greatest schedule mm-hmm. for me ever. But uh <laughs> and for right. many and like it's some of them, the, the longest one is only maybe two and a half minutes or something, and uh, mm-hmm. or as short as 15 seconds. And uh, and you really, like, there was, I remember there was a whole day of ones where you're just saying, I mean, Bob the Builder is coming up, and, and you know, and you're sort of like, uh, Why? Because you, you have to mention all those shows, all those yeah. shows, and there were a lot of them. <laughs> and you had to, like, you had to get in, like, the very bare minimum that uh, you could say still is just squeaking in at 15 seconds because you have to be also (laughs) with kids stuff they ask that you are particularly you speak well and clearly right because Mm -hmm. uh you know you can't have a character who's like for for little kids who's slurring or (laughs) you know like (laughs) you know like uh, you know you couldn't have somebody who talked like carney (laughs) and so you have to be real clear and real fast and also be that character. And you don't want it to sound like it's rushed, but it's gotta be rushed. You know, it's uh, it's actually kind of a tall order. It's a, it's a real, it's a, it's a skill like you know, people have for sure. I guess some, like some people who do the, those, uh, do the, um, I do that for a living, like do voiceovers, I guess like, you know, they, they probably get pretty good at it. Although I've noticed now you probably know better than me in podcasts, sometimes I'll listen and like, they'll do the kind of opening or closing credits but it sounds like somebody just sped it up like it's it's actually just so incredibly fast like just like even the beginning of like like this american life or something like that it sounds uh it's it's okay what you're laughing why you're laughing yeah you, <laughs> tell me you what know. you're laughing about <laughs> right no yeah i kind of i kind of i kind of hear that with podcasts too sometimes like right. so, like sometimes like you like what we do is we have guests who station IDs, but we usually don't speed them up. I mean, sometimes we'll like edit them, but we don't really speed them up because it kind of sounds unnatural. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah. mean, exactly. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, sped up is kind of funny in a way when you're trying to, like, okay, just, just, just 10 seconds to just speed up 
credits. We can't go all whole duration of the like, closing. It's just, um, it's just but I mean, it makes sense up. in a way because you're trying to get all 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 the just the episode and the credits, all that, just all the all the time and all those times, not yeah. more than that because you know time restrictions and all that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about something that I really uh, enjoyed, like you, from before when you were asking me, like something like puppet show that I really enjoyed watching. Yeah, and uh, mm -hmm. I've been lucky enough to work on uh, on Chucky for the last couple of years, and um, and that puppet is it's so interesting because it takes like there's two people operating the actual doll, and then there's four people basically doing like the arms and the fingers and the hands and then the the mouth and then the eyes and the brow it's like it's it's like this real kind of real teamwork kind of thing and uh and i i really i i really love watching everybody working in unison like that you know and um when you get uh when you get a team of people who are like you have choreography, but you're also, to some extent, it reminds me. It reminds me a lot of 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 music. Like you, um, you're. It's it's like you're in. Uh, it's like you're 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 playing jazz, and everyone is listening to everyone else, and you're waiting for your moment. Like, and you don't want to. You know, you don't want to play notes that aren't necessary, right? You want to, and you want to work with the other people. And so, if you have, um, I, I did a movie called come play and um it was this eight foot monster and there were three or four people operating them at any given time and uh but yeah having it an, a real eight foot monster walking you know and like it's it's really it's if you're gonna have all those people working together you've really got to be in sync and um and that kind of thing really excites me like when you see when everyone's kind of working together like that so now you also voice the characters grant and iggy on the series yeah. what's your news what's that like gonna do that it's um it was great like it, it was um that show was really interesting like they uh it was a motion capture show and um uh yeah they i we did all like i was telling you uh that that producer had all these studios or um recording studios and so myself and todd doldersome were doing uh the two hosts and right. um and then we also had yeah there was uh iggy and i can't remember his buddy's name and uh Oh no! Wait, wait, who did you say? Oh yeah, Grant, and then there was Giant, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For Giant, yeah. Uh -huh, wait, was yeah. I? Was I? Uh, yeah, and that was a while ago too. <laughs> um, but it was that was really fun, and that was a a thing where, you, like, I was telling you, you um, you're doing a whole day of just doing voice, so you really like you have to take care of your throat, because if you oh, yeah. come in, you have a sore throat or you have a cold. You can like, I mean, you can get around it sometimes depending on how bad the cold is. But if you have a sore throat, it's not gonna get better if you're gonna come back tomorrow and not warm up. And, uh, but like I said, like people that I love, like I, I have really fond memories. I had a dog named Gertrude back then. 
and um, uh, Gertrude came to work with me. So when we were doing Nanoland, when we were doing, actually not Nanoland, it was, uh, she, I got her after Nanoland, but when we were shooting Mr. Meaty and Ooh and Awe, Gertrude was there every time. And uh, she would just kind of hang out on set and uh, she like she got to know when breaks were and she would just get up and, you know, I'd be sitting there with the puppet and then all of a sudden I'd feel something on my leg and I look down and it's it's Gertrude. And so everyone's like, all right, well, Gertrude says it's time for a break. And so we'd go on break. And um, and when we were doing uh, when we were doing uh, What's Your News? Um, I remember same kind of thing, but she couldn't come into the recording booth with me or recording room because, you know, she rolls over, it's going to pick up that sound. And right. so uh, I would just it, like the, uh, where the engineers are with the big mixing boards and everything. I just kind of lay my jacket down and she would plop down over there and hang out with the, pro the engineers while I was uh, doing the recording. But, uh, and, and those yeah, like those engineers, like I, I would, I go up for for brunch with them with with my, uh, you know, like we we were all friends. We we're all friends, and uh, so yeah, it was it was great. It was great. That's uh, wonderful. I remember watching it because it was. I remember um, watching it from Sprout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think like we shot a second season, but I don't know if they if it ever even aired. I'm not sure if it did. I don't think that it did. But it was, uh, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a neat thing. It was a neat thing, and uh, I got to work with um, Brian Herring. Do you know Brian Herring? He's uh, he's a pretty like he, you you should you should see about <laughs> talking to him. He's a great guy. He's from England. He uh, at the moment his big thing is he does all the puppets uh, in Star Wars. So he's BB-8. And, uh, but oh, he's wow. also, I think he's kind of like the captain. Like I'm not, I don't, I haven't really been in close with him in a long time, but I worked with him on what's your news and, uh, just like, you know, what a great guy and uh great guy to, to, to work with. That was, there was a story I was going to tell you about him. I can't remember what, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, he was on what's your news as well. And so it was, uh, it was great to see him work and, uh, and get to know him. Yeah. Whenever I do a, uh, if I'm doing a show and I'm working with people from out of town, I go out of my way to try and like, you know, take them downtown or show them some stuff. And uh, partially just because I think it'd be a nice thing to do and, uh, and fun, but also partially because, you know, then maybe if I'm in their place in town, they'll take me out, you know, but uh yeah, I think that um, as I've gotten older, and I've heard a lot of people reflect this, uh, I think when I was younger, you want to work with the best people, and you want to become the best at what you do. But now, especially being, sometimes I'm hiring people now, I'm not, and, and uh, I don't, being the best puppeteer is great i would love to work with the best puppeteer but if i had to choose between the best puppeteer and somebody who i really enjoy spending time with like i'll always choose the person i enjoy spending time with you know because that's i think the bottom line with uh like the hours are long in television and if you're working with somebody who you don't get along with 
that's it's it's really hard and yeah. um and mm -hmm. i and i'd say that if like if anybody asked my like number one piece of advice for people who are trying to work in this industry i would say like just remember that people hire people that they enjoy working with and uh and they'll do that uh, before they like, like, I don't, I don't know anybody who's like just looking for the greatest, whatever, like they, they want somebody who's really, who hopefully is the greatest, but even more than that, somebody that they will enjoy hanging out with for, you know, a 16 hour day or whatever, you know, who can you, who won't drive you crazy? Right. Uh, yeah. If there's someone mm -hmm. who's going to drive you crazy, like they will. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was a neat idea, and it was uh, some great people. Um, oh, Lawrence, Larry Merkin. Larry Merkin was, uh, he was involved with uh, Fraggle Rock in the original series. Yes. And, oh, yeah. um, he's, I believe, a writer and uh, a producer. He's friends with, um, with uh, Jim uh, Henson. And um, he was like, yeah, he was good friends with like all that crew. And he ended up, I think he married a Canadian and that's how he ended up in Toronto. But uh, he did uh, What's Your News? And then he did Hey Opie, which um, I almost did with him. But uh, he's another like just such a great guy. And uh, and uh, so that was uh, that was just another another perk of being on what's your news and it i think that it was his idea that show very interesting so you mentioned uh tvo earlier one of your later puppeteering projects was puppeteering babu on the tvo kids series now you know uh, yes do you talk a little bit about the show and what it was like working on it sure so uh uh, this is a theme for 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 my whole interview. The producers on that show <laughs> were were friends, like, and so I had been doing puppets for uh, quite a while, and I got a call from a guy I went to uh, film school with, and he said, "Hey Marty, like, I want to do this, uh, like, uh, shoot a pilot for a kids series idea that I've got. Uh, would you be interested, like, in giving me a hand?" And uh, we would just be shooting it in my living room. I'm like, sure, man, whatever. <laughs> and uh, I'm not expecting too much, right? And then I get to his puppets are kind of terrible. And it's just we're in his living room, you know? And like, it's just everything's like, I had zero confidence in what was going on. And uh, oh, oh, before I go further too. So I was doing, uh, me and the other puppeteer, we didn't, we hadn't been cast. And so the other guy's like, what character do you want to do? If it's up to me, like, I want to do Babu because Babu has no lines. He just makes noises. So you don't ever have to learn lines. You just go, and, uh, and so I, uh, and so we go in and we shoot it. And I really like, I don't think that it's going to go well. And then maybe two weeks later, he sends me what he made. And I was like, holy shit. Like, that's really good, man. It looked fantastic and like because he's just this kind of uniquely talented individual and uh he's he can he can edit he does visual effects he's a, a writer he, he he shot it he was he's just he's a a real talented guy and uh and the producer uh is also incredibly talented and she's they're married 
and and um and so we we did the show it it has two main characters there's babu and howie and they went through three different howies i think but i was lucky to be the only babu <laughs> and um but it was yeah it was it was great fun it was uh i ended up shooting uh them all with uh with frank meshkalite as howie and so like i had met him and worked with them a little bit at tvo but that was the first show where we really worked closely together and um and uh yeah we became quite close friends and yeah like i like talked to him regularly and uh yeah it was uh we got to shoot in a ton of really cool places that's one of the perks of kids tv we'd shoot at reptile museums and butterfly conservatories i met uh i met, met chris hatfield and worked with him a couple of times you know the the astronaut and uh like just yeah like so much cool stuff we met we learned things because uh, like, the whole idea of the show it's like there's this kid and his pet monkey and then they wonder about something and then they go and they talk to an expert. And uh, they also ask a bunch of little kids what they think uh, the answer is. And so we learned all sorts of stuff about, like we went to a recycling plant, we went to a water treatment plant, we went to um, like those like gigantic telescopes with uh, astronomers and um, we, uh, like just like yeah anything that you can think of that's kind of cool you know vermiculture beekeepers like all these things i got to puppeteer in a bee suit you know like there's there's a, a lot of fun to be had in those shows and so that's uh yeah that was always a really cool thing to do although i remember being at one point i was doing something at that reptile museum and i had i had the the monkey on my hand and he's not huge he's about this big and he's got real long arms and uh, the guy who we were talking to had a python <laughs> and uh, and he's got it sort of like in his and it's freaking huge, right? Like it's like this big around and uh, and the snake is just looking at Babu, you know, and he's staring at Babu and I'm like, is that like what I think? And he's like, yeah, he's sizing him up to see if he's a meal or not. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, and uh, so that was like, you know, that was uh, a little concerning, but uh, but it was super fun and got to play with tarantulas and uh, uh, went to zoos and like all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was it went up on a hot air balloon helicopter. At one point, we went up in this little tiny uh, airplane. And we wanted to have Howie and Babu. Frank Meshkalite's like 6'3". So like, we're not all going to fit in a two-seater airplane. So I went up by myself with both puppets on, just sitting down. So unfortunately, I couldn't see out the window, which must have been really cool. But it was uh, it was very fun to do. Uh -huh. Very nice. Definitely. So aside from uh, puppeteering, you've also written and acted in uh, some of your own uh, live shows. Can you kind of yes. talk about how that kind of came into play? Well, it's always been my favorite thing. Like theater is by far my favorite medium. Um, and music, of course, is my first love, like I said. And um, uh, at one point, uh, my so Frank Meshkalite was doing a live show called uh, My Big Fat German Puppet Show. And it was, which was brilliant. He had this gigantic kind of fat suit 
And then he would open up the stomach and there's a stage in there. And he would have all of these kind of like tabletop puppets that he'd be operating from inside the suit he was wearing. It was brilliant. And, uh, but he was real nervous. He had never performed it before. And he's like, Marty, I need somebody to open for me. Like just do 10 minutes, 15 minutes of anything you want. And so I ended up doing, it was a milk carton that sang and played the harmonica. And it was a song called Inside of a Cow. <laughs> and it's the milk singing, I used to be on the inside of a cow. And, uh, but, but baby, I'm another thing now. And uh, anyway, it was, it was really fun. And then I decided to make a whole show. And it was really, it was, it was an adult show. And Frank and I did our two shows as a uh, kind of a double feature. And we played a bunch, we played some theaters, but my favorite place, we went to this one, it was kind of like a live music venue. And so we ended up with this crowd of people who weren't necessarily puppetry fans or theater fans even. They were just sort of people who were out for to have a good time because it was a really fun show. And, and one of the most rewarding moments really in my career is like uh, after the show, there was uh, there was this one guy who was just like that was that was amazing like I had so much fun I just I've never gone to theater before is this what theater is always like is it like this you know like he didn't know and that's what I think I think that we need I think that theater needs to be reintroduced to the Netflix crowd and it needs to be a little less highbrow and a little more accessible and uh, and more fun. And uh, so I did that show and I, I, I had a blast doing it. Then I did a kid's show, uh, similar kind of situation. A theater contacted me and said, Marty, if you, if, if, if you want to, you can do any show that you want. We have an opening for you at the theater and uh, here's your budget. And so, uh, so I said, great, yeah, I'll do that. And, um, and so I created the show and then the next year, it was remounted and it had a longer run. And then it was nominated for three Dora Awards, which are, I don't know, for lack of a, it, it's like the Tonys, but for Toronto. <laughs> and, hmm. uh, but it was like, yeah, it was a big deal for me and um, uh, very rewarding. And it was a kid's show and it was based on the ugly duckling. It was called the ugly duck thing. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I, I uh, yeah, I got a lot out of that. And at the moment, I'm working on another, on a new show that's going to be, it's not exclusively puppets, but it's got puppets in it. And it's, uh, it's based on uh, an event that happened in Toronto in 1855. And it's called the, the Great Circus Riot of 1855. And wow. uh, it's just this real weird event that happened in Toronto and change the course of the country with uh there was an american circus that visited and the clowns got into a fist fight with uh, a fire brigade at a brothel <laughs> what and, yeah yeah and it resulted in like uh, eventually there was uh the uh i'll go oh, here's a spoiler the the clowns beat them up so the clowns <laughs> beat up all these firemen and then the firemen were all all kind of butthurt. So they uh, they got all their firemen friends and the police and like it was like gangs of New York. It was like all the Protestants 
And so they went down and they just lit the circus on fire. And they was just like people jumping into the lake, like to serve. And it was, it was, it was chaos. And that event led to widespread police reform and municipal changes. And it actually, uh, Toronto at, for the time became uh, arguably the most progressive city in the, uh, in North America. And, uh, and it all happened because bunch of clowns walked into a brothel <laughs> and uh so that's, that's that's what my next show my, my next musical is going to be about and it's going to be it, kind of for all ages but uh it's uh it's going to be a larger scale production with puppets being designed by jamie shannon of nanolan and uh oh, nice. Okay. nice nice yes so how did becoming a, a musician and composer come into play for you well, um, I, I'd always been a musician, and uh, and I I I've always had bands, or uh, I'd done a lot of uh, session work for other musicians as a singer and as a harmonica player. And uh, although I play guitar now as well, but um, uh, particularly when I was at TVO, I'd be working on shows, and then they would need they need music, and they'd need a song, and so they. Uh, I, I offered said, well, you know, like I do this. And so I, uh, I did some songs for them and I had then some other shows contacted me and said, like, would you write a theme song for this show? And so there've been a few times like that. And then of course I write the music for, for the musicals that I've uh, performed as well. So both for the ugly duck thing and for rooster canes, curio emporium, and now for this circus riot thing. And uh, it is, it's a, um, there's a lot of opportunities, particularly if you're doing kids stuff, like eventually somebody's going to ask you to sing, <laughs> right? right? Like yeah. like in almost every show, like certainly like in the fuzz paws there was singing and like, you know, every show. And um, so it helps if you can do it. Another one of my favorite um, things that I ever did was there was actually this short opera film called The Perfect Match. And uh, I did that for, um, yeah, this independent opera company called Tapestry in Toronto. And uh, and the and I ended up puppeteering with, once again, with Todd Doldersome. And it was a sock puppet thing. It was just, we both had sock puppets. And uh, there was some sets and they lived kind of in a sock puppet world <laughs> with all these like, you know, like people going through the park with a carriage full of baby sock socks. And um, uh, and it was this, it's like a five minute song and it tells a story, but it's an opera. And so my experience in music has always been relatively straightforward, like in terms of time signatures and, uh, you know, just sort of like the technical side of of like the theory of uh, the music that I was uh, performing. But in opera, that's like, it was so different. And uh, I think that had I not been experienced in music at all, it would have been a lot harder because there were moments where the time signature changes just just cause like it doesn't, it's not like a pop song where things sort of, you know, it, it kind of goes along the same way. And if it changes, it's usually a big deal, but, uh, and I would always be like, I find that when you're, 
when you're doing ADR or, or uh, you can often feel when the thing is the right time and you're coming in at the, like you, you can, it's like having timing and a joke, you know, if you're really good at it, then, uh, then people they'll, they'll leave just the right amount of time and then they hit the, with the punchline. And so I find that music is very similar. Like you, you just wait that little bit. And so that's what I was trying to do at this one moment. I was, because the song was already done. I'm just cut moment wrong. And finally, like the, the director comes over and he's like, you know, where, what's the problem that you're having? And I said like, well, I'm trying to feel when that, when that moment comes in, because it's in silence, there's nothing. And then all of a sudden he just starts to sing. So how do you, like, I'm trying to like figure it out. It's, it just feels like it's coming in around here. He's like, oh no. No, 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 nothing. It just feels a certain way with opera. It's like, you got it. It's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four. And it's on the floor. And it's like, and uh, and it's just like, um, it was such a, a, a really great experience, like learning moment for me. Like I, uh, I'd never, uh, I'd never worked in opera before. So uh, yeah, so like, that's, that's how, that's how it's like, as you asked, how it comes into play. Is I think uh, being able to sing and understanding music is really, really helpful when you're a puppeteer. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So as we're kind of getting close to uh, wrapping up, uh, yeah. to, to anyone watching or listening, what would you like to say to those who have supported you throughout your career? To all the people who have supported me throughout my career? Oh, well, I, you know, I'd want to thank everybody for for that support and i i hope that they uh enjoy the things that are to come and um and i hope that at least some of those people uh have been moved to maybe do some of it themselves and uh and hopefully they can entertain me in the future Truly. <laughs> <laughs> If people would like to connect with you, where can people find you? Where can they find me? Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm on Facebook, I guess. I, I don't really, I'm not so into social media, to be honest. Um, but yeah, uh, I, 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 you know, that, that's how you guys found me. And uh, I, I do read all that stuff. So yeah, if they're so inclined. <laughs> Definitely. So the last question that uh, Matt's about to ask is a question we ask all of our guests at the end. Go ahead, Matt. Thank you, Chris. Of course, this podcast is called Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show. When you think of nostalgia, thank you, yep. you post-production. When you think <laughs> of nostalgia, what do you think of? Or in your own words, how would you define the word nostalgia? Defining the word nostalgia. It's definitely, uh, I, 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 I don't know for certain, but I've always thought that it would, it has positive uh, implications of uh, memories of the past. And I think that, I don't know, I think that you can be nostalgic for things that weren't even that far in the past, you know, but, okay. uh, right. but I think that as, <clears throat> you get further and further away from salient moments of your life, you hopefully start to forget 
any of the bad stuff and hold on to the good stuff. And that's nostalgia for me. It was when you kind of like, because, you know, there's lots of complicated feelings and emotions with any experience. But after a certain amount of time has gone by, the crappy stuff kind of just goes away and, and you kind of have this, you know, maybe not super realistic, but but it's like uh, when you remember something positively, uh, that's that's nostalgia to me, I think. Absolutely. Great words send on. Well, uh, Marty, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview on our podcast. This is a blast. Yes. yes and, uh, and and I know Chris and Matt are going to say the same thing I'm about to say. Um, thank you so much again for for being on and, you know, for what you've done in Puppet Truth Field over the years. It means a lot to us that we, you know, watch, watch, you know, you're not, you know, another work you've been done, so, you know, you know, for what, over the years and be a part of our lives, you know, keep up a great work of what you're doing now and can I wait what's next in store for you. Right. Thanks a lot. That's, that's really nice to hear. It's a pleasure yeah, seeing pleasure. you guys. Yes. Keep in touch. Yes, you uh, too. Marty, I'll let you know when this goes okay. up. All right. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. And it's goodbye from us as well. Yes. yes absolutely. We absolutely enjoyed our time with uh, Marty Stelnick. Um, keep on the lookout for more wonderful interviews coming your way as always. And to end this off, what do we say, Jake? Keep massage alive. Take care, everyone. See you next time. See ya. Bye. 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 Thank you for tuning in to another wonderful Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show interview. Be sure to follow Jake and the crew on social media and stream the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And as always, remember to keep nostalgia alive. Bye-bye.